Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to the Apple Store Soho to tonight's Meet the Creator event. Tonight we're joined by writer, producer, director Joss Whedon as he discusses Dollhouse, his new highly anticipated drama series starring Eliza Dushku. A little, a little later, you'll be treated to an exclusive sneak peek at the first act of Friday's premiering episode, as well as participate in a moderated discussion and Q&A with Joss. Guest moderating tonight's discussion is TV Guide's Matt Rausch. Please join me in welcoming them both, Joss Whedon and Matt Rausch. Thank you, and uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, I guess this is working. Uh, okay. Uh, this, by the way, Joss Whedon, the man who makes the magic happen. And uh, this is officially a welcome to the dollhouse. And I want uh, Joss to set up what you're going to be seeing, because you haven't seen it yet. We're going to be seeing the first minutes of the show, so maybe a little intro. Well, uh, if you don't know already, the show is about people who've had their personalities erased and are imprinted with new personalities. Uh, Eliza plays one of those people and gets to be somebody different every week. Um, and this is the act one of the very beginning. Um, it doesn't make any narrative kind of sense, but there's, you know, she wears a really good dress. Okay, good luck. So we introduced this at Comic-Con like two days ago, but uh, you here at the Soho Apple Store get something that the audience at Comic-Con did not get, so I'm gonna let Joss make another special announcement now. For those of you who are not sighted and haven't already seen her, ladies and gentlemen, Eliza Dishku. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. So a lot of people might know the genesis of the, the series, but let's do a little origin story here because it all started over lunch. And what in the hell were they serving that day to end up with something like Dollhouse? Gouda pizza. <laughs> Don't <called>. eat it. <laughs> But so you'd start, uh, now it's like when somebody says, let's do lunch with Joss, does that mean somebody's looking to get a show on television? I mean, so wow. But did you think this was what's going to come out of that? I mean. <laughs> well, Joss said it um, once that it's a good thing that he didn't pick Denny's because who knows what show would have come out of that <laughs> lunch. But um, we went to the Ivy by the Shore because Joss is very fancy and that he picked the restaurant. And um, no, we've been friends since, since the Buffy days, since I was 17. <laughs> And I moved out to L.A. to do Buffy, and, um, you know, he's always been kind of a big brother and a mentor and an ally and a friend, and so we would get together and, and talk about, you know, life and career, and, and I asked him if he wanted to have a little chat session, and uh, I had coincidentally just made a, a deal with Fox a week before, and um, <laughs> he was my plan A, B, and C, so... Over four-hour lunch, I told him he had to write the coolest, best show that he's ever done for me, and, and accepted. And, and Jaws, this represents your return to television after, I guess, Angel was the last thing you did. I mean, the end of Angel came after the end of Firefly, but it, this is the first new series you brought to TV since Firefly in 2002. And were you looking before this lunch to return to TV at that point? No, I wasn't. 
Um, uh, I wasn't against it. Uh, I was for a while after Firefly. I was kind of shell shocked, but um, uh, it did. You know, I love the medium. I love taking that much time telling a story. It just wasn't something I'd been thinking about. I've been concentrating concentrating on not getting movies made, and um, uh, so you know, I and I had been thinking about a bunch of different projects, and then literally over lunch accidentally came up with the show. Literally drove home and said, honey, I accidentally came up with the Fox show. And uh, she was very understanding. Um, he was a really cool way. Love Kai. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, then, and then it was just, it just felt right. It was organic. It was like, it, the liter show literally came out of our conversation. I mean, it birthed from that about talking about who Eliza is, who people expect her to be, the many things she can do, the few things she's expected to do, and trying to find herself, which I've watched her do over these past 10 years. I'm really proud of her for that. Aw, thanks, Dad. I mean, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's the gray in my beard, isn't it? I'm just, I'm so old. Um, and uh, so, you know, it didn't bother me that it was television. It was just clearly the next thing. Well, there, is there a sense maybe that Echo, the character of Echo, is almost like a metaphor for the actor's life here? I mean, you're playing a different role each week. You're trying to find yourself through this experience. I don't know. There is something that, as in the interviews I've read that you've done so far, you're know, talking about how, well, I get to play all these different sides of myself as Echo. So, I mean, you're what being pimped out by men and women in suits that act like they care about you. <laughs> um, That's Hollywood. The dark side of Hollywood, right? <laughs> Yeah. A little bit, um, yeah. And I've I sort of tripped and fell into this business, a, you know, a long time ago. And um, Buffy was my first television experience, and I just really learned over the years that it's if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. And and who's who's writing your roles and who's looking out for you is is the most important thing. And no one's ever looked after me like this dude. So. Um, yeah, there were there are absolutely parallels um, with my life and with b being living in Hollywood, and I think also just being a young woman in our culture and in our society today. I mean, you kind of wake up and you feel like you're, you know, people want you to be a different person every day, and and what that's like, and sexually and emotionally, and and uh, we kind of explore it all. Well, I mentioned the other day that. This is uh, this also well, this, well, this also represents like Joss's move from the supernatural to something that's very unnatural, but it's also dealing with just humans, but using humans in a very troubling way. So there is a there is an aspect of this show that makes it perhaps your most dangerous work. Oh, absolutely! Think, yeah. This is this this could be the one that they crucify me for, um, <laughs> and that gives me a good warm feeling. <laughs> I have. I have a, a box of Tums in my, <laughs> in my coat. Um, yes, I'm filled with terror, but I believe that you know, this premise, while sort of out there and a little controversial, is just really an extrapolation of the human condition, of how we have power over each other, how we create our own identities, and how we, you know, we look for them as we go through myriad changes. So um, I think if people see something in the show that they think, you know, is, I don't know, is controversial or even offensive, I think if they keep watching, they're going to see that we're going to look at that, we're going to turn that over. And if they see somebody, you know, somebody that's heroic, we're going to turn him over and see the dark thing that motivates him. Somebody who's truly villainous, we're going to turn that over too. There's a real arc to the 13 episodes wherein we really get to examine the premise 
And I think if people stay with it for the whole of what you refer to at one, one point as the novel, um, then they're going to see that uh, we take this very seriously. It's not something we do blithely. Um, it is an examination of the human condition, but it's a dark one. Well, as we even see in this very first clip, when, when the memories are wiped, the memories go back far beyond the night or the weekend. I mean, you see something like a cradle shot, and you're thinking, so is, in the, at, by the end of the 13 episodes, how is Echo different without giving too much away? But I mean, how is Echo, because we see her now, and she sort of is... She's an elderly Hispanic gentleman. <laughs> which is, uh, well, that would be new. Yeah. Um, she's she's beginning she's beginning and she's um, had a number of instances where she's becoming you know self-aware and and um, the wipes aren't aren't entirely working she's having you know whether both in the dollhouse and out on engagements she's having these these um, recognitions and and these feelings and that's sort of not what's supposed to happen so um, that's a problem, and that makes for <laughs> exciting television. Um, no, but by the by the last, we just finished the last two shows last week, and they're awesome. I mean, I don't want to sound narcissistic and cocky, but they're really cool. <laughs> and for all his fear, I just don't feel that much. I'm just so excited that it's Friday, and it's finally coming out, and I feel everyone's excitement. What was the question? <laughs> no, you got it. No, you got it. But I mean, one thing that... We go a long way, and yeah. Echo is, is different, but also, I mean... I don't know, like you, you know her, even though you know, the idea is that you don't get to know Echo because she's blank, but she's not that blank. It's well, the whole it, well, clean slate well, it's thing. Odd, well, it's odd because you're playing anybody and everybody, but you're also playing nobody at times, too. I mean, I've never seen you do anything much as the, like the scenes when she is in the dollhouse and she is so vulnerable. And what is that like to play? Is that? I think that was the toughest thing. Yeah. I do. That was the thing. I watch she struggle with the most, except for that one hairdo. Um, <laughs> and uh, because to have no history, to be completely mm -hmm. innocent, uh, to strip everything away is, is um, it would be difficult for anyone. But you just, uh, you know, that means Eliza's got to turn it off. Eliza can't turn it off. He it's like, like that. Say, did I fall asleep without sexy bedroom eyes? I was like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, do it again. So I literally would just think of my six-year-old niece, Sophia. Sophia, Sophia, like, did I fall asleep? <laughs> like, without... Was that right? <laughs> those were, <clears throat> those were like, <laughs> sexy foyer eyes. Oh. <laughs> so you're, you're, it's getting better. Well, and Joss said something interesting Sunday about how there's a sense, even though you're the star of the show, it's almost like you're a guest star every week because you are creating somebody new with every new imprint of a personality. So, and and if I'm a big diva, he can kill me any minute. Oh, <laughs> uh, sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he made that clear, too, at our lunch. <laughs> but in terms of the possibilities it gives you, in terms of playing things you've always wanted to play, was there a sense where you say to Joss or anything, I've always wanted to play fill-in-the-blank and you're going to get to do it as Echo? Yeah, um, absolutely. We were just, um, for our rap party, we had this really great party and we had this awesome old um, burlesque band and we had these crazy burlesque dancers and we were like watching the show and I was like, Joss, next, you know, when we come back, I want to be one of those burlesque dancers. And he was like, okay, done. <laughs> but also in the first 13, you know, again, I mean, I fell into this business and I, I've traveled a lot with my mother and my brothers and I love, 
I love people and I love people's stories and I love sharing stories and, and hearing people's stories and, and um, I would I would tell Joss and some of the writers about things in my own life and then they would pop up in scripts so that was kind of cool. Would anything pop up at a script where you said, dude, are you serious? Like the thing that you didn't see coming that it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, um, the updos, I don't know what it is. Putting my hair up in, in a 40s, I don't know, it, it's so girly and sophisticated, it makes me so uncomfortable. You can throw me in the river, you can, you know, have me f beat up by, or fight five guys, but put me in an updo and I, I'm immediately uncomfortable. And he wants to make me uncomfortable as much as possible, but I asked for it, so. Um. Well, I don't know if anybody has noticed this is this is going to be part of a part of what we call like a cult night of television because its lead-in is the Terminator series, which is moving to Friday nights on Fox at eight o'clock, leading into Dollhouse at nine, the new kid on the block, followed by Battlestar Galactica on the Sci-Fi Channel. It is just like it is insane a night of television. But I don't know if you've noticed the Grindhouse ads that Fox has put out. I mean, they are awesome. They totally rock. But it also brings up a question that I think has come up quite a bit in the in the front end of this. Uh, discussion of the series about the exploitation of the character, the sexuality of the character, and even the idea that you know you're a rent-a-date in the first scene. So in terms of confronting the sexuality aspect of what the dollhouse group is involved in, I mean, how, you, it, what, what's your take on that? Uh, just... God, I never noticed it. Yeah. This is really, a, this is kind of an awkward well, well, moment it, for me. It, I think it, invite, oh. it invites criticism and concern. And I mean, in, in your terms, how are you exploring the sexuality of Echo? Well, that was one of the things that we all, you know, was in our first lunch discussion. Um, I asked Joss and told him that I wanted to have, you know, a definite element of exploring our sexuality because I personally was raised with like great men in my life and also really great women and I'm very comfortable with my sexuality, you could say. Um, and again, just th there are so many taboos and there are so many, um, you know, s many of them right, rightfully, um, rightfully so. And we just, we wanted, I, I feel like he was the right person to explore them and to sort of, you know, twirl these stories because he he I know that you know we're really like-minded and I know that he respects women deeply and so to be to have that kind of trust in him makes it you know we're making a provocative show we're dealing with with sexuality and and that makes people sort of uncomfortable at times but it's everywhere and if we you know if we're gonna tell the stories then I have a great storyteller I guess the interesting thing also is that there's a sense where Echo is a victim. Uh, in the first scene, you see that she is coming into it for a reason. We don't know yet why she is allowing herself to have her own self wiped to become this doll in the dollhouse. But the idea that so many of the characters you have created have been empowered, very powerful women. And even if you get to play a powerful woman in one of your imprints, Echo herself is sort of a passive vessel to some so I mean how does she fit into your hierarchy of women characters well you know for me it's always a discussion of, of power I mean yes we were discussing sexuality and and what uh, and morality and what what we how we use each other and what we want from each other and, and what of our urges are shameful and what are actually not and um, and that's one of the things that was really interesting to me. And yeah, after I pitched the premise to her, she was like, oh my God, that's my life. I'm trying to figure out who I am while everybody's telling me who they want me to be. 
And, um, and the more I thought about it, I was like, well, it's a lot like my life, too, because I, I put myself in different people all the time um, to try and figure out, you know, to try and adopt some kind of real persona that I can call myself. And I do think also, you know, just looking at our culture right now, there's a lot of sort of, you know, there's a lot of people sort of coming out, particularly on the internet, sort of able to express themselves because of the anonymity of who they are and the things they love. And even if some of those things are perverse in some way or they're ashamed of them, um, they find that there are other people out there like them. And, and I just think that like we need to take apart some of our assumptions about what is right and wrong. But then I woke up and said, oh my God, I just created this show that glorifies human trafficking and what was I doing? <laughs> and, and so from the start, I knew we were walking a wire that uh, if we had to separate the fantasy from the reality so that we can really use the metaphor of people you know, playing with each other, both men and women, as dolls. And um, it is, as I've said, touchy, but for me, it's just, it's very, very topical. And I think people are gonna end up seeing a lot of themselves in this. And in terms of Echo, um, her struggle is constant. Um, it's established early on, and it goes on through the, through the show, her struggle to actualize. And, um, uh, and the dollhouse's uh, problem with that and, and the danger she's in because of it. So that I think, ultimately, she fits in the pantheon as being the weakest and therefore the ultimate show of strength because she is going to build literally from nothing. She doesn't have superpowers. She doesn't have her own shuttle. She just has the idea that she exists and that somehow that matters. Sometimes you give me ninja skills. That's fun. Occasionally I give her ninja skills. <laughs> be a ninja. But she, does, she doesn't never beat guys up. <laughs> Come on, it's me. And me. <laughs> But early on, I think at the very beginning of the second episode, you'll, you'll see that something can also go desperately wrong with these imprints. And they're not just all men as well. You've made that point a lot, too. I mean, it isn't just women who are the dolls. They're also male dolls. And one has gone like Frankenstein bad, I guess, is going to be part of your... Is, is, it that, is that person the big bad of your, your, your show? Um, he's certainly the, the loomer, uh, the looming presence for the, the, the uh, early part of this season, uh, there is a character, uh, one of the earlier dolls, Alpha, who appears to have gone completely insane and escaped and is very brilliant and very scary and, and uh, we'll be uh, dealing with him more later on. Well, another thing it gets about awesome. Yes. <laughs> During the awesome portions. <laughs> well, the bigger question I think about the dollhouse itself, because so many of the members of the ensemble, the regular cast, are the people who are controlling Echo's fate. Are they good or bad, I think is the thing, because a few of them, like, like the scientist guy who's kind of funny and many people said maybe one of your alter egos on the show, perhaps, the Topher character, uh, but, but it's like, but they're, they're doing like bad stuff, and, but, but yet they are kind of fun to watch, and how do you look at them? Is, are, are, these the, are, are, the, are they the villains of this piece as well? I wouldn't say, I mean, I wouldn't say that, the, I'm not, not I won't answer, I wouldn't say that. Um, you know what, I won't answer. I, just, I, I, I take offense. No, um, I just never get to take offense, I'm sorry. Um, basically, you know, yeah, Topher is, is really not thinking it through on a moral level. That's just not how he operates. He has a problem dealing with the actual 
people he's around. Um, and there's you know an episode that shows that very specifically. But at the same time, he's, he's at ease with everyone. He enjoys everyone. He just sort of shuts down when any difficult question that isn't about science comes across. Um, he's definitely doing wrong, but I don't, we're not writing him as a villain. We're not writing Olivia's character as a villain. I don't want her to play a villain because there are very few people in life um, outside of the Bush administration who actually are just mustache twirling villains. You know, um, most of us are three-dimensional people who think we're doing something good. Um, you know, and uh, you know, Topher may be he, he may be an Oppenheimer, but um, but uh, he doesn't he doesn't realize that. You don't know that till after the fact. Um, and the, what's interesting is that Tomo, who is stalwart and true, and shirtless, because if, if I'm going to be exploitive, I'm going full circle. Everyone's, everybody in the pool. That's what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, um, you know, he is somebody that we like, we want to pick apart at the idea of the hero. And that at the same time, pick apart at people's expectations of the villain. I mean, even though Olivia is British, she's not totally bad. <laughs> I also think that's one of the extraordinary things about Joss and, and, you know, his writers and his shows. I mean, when I came on Buffy as Faith, I mean, I was this crazy girl and I was, like, killing people and doing horrible things. You tortured Wesley. And, oh, I yes, I did. <laughs> it was um, really cool. <laughs> and yet, like, Joss get, gets in there and he makes you... And he just makes you think, and he, and he you know, not, everything's not black and white, and it's not good or bad. Or I mean, he, he really twists it, and and is so, you know, imaginative. And 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 there were so many people that, you know, like like even though Faith was doing these horrible things, like they loved her and they felt compassion for her and they were rooting for her. And so it's this sort of twisted thing where you're uncomfortable and going, you know, what is it that that makes us? But the fact is, you know, that we're all. We're, we're human, and, and people do horrible things, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're horrible people sometimes, but sometimes it does, but you just have to kind of like watch it unfold and The idea is that everyone it. is compromised, and if I've done my job right, the audience will come away feeling just a little bit compromised themselves. Give the smart answer, totally. <laughs> what he just said. <laughs> he talks good. On the front end, before we saw the show, before the show was made, I mean, there was a lot of talk about how troubled the genesis of the show was. You remade the pilot, and then they ended up moving you to Fridays. Never. But it, but it wow. seems like, yeah, it seems like your point of view is it's a lot different than what happened, you know, back in the year when uh, Firefly was put on Friday and aired out of order and all of that kind of stuff. So can you talk a little bit about how you feel about going into this Friday night slot and, uh, and also the, the genesis of the show? Well, as you pointed out earlier, Friday night is now a bonanza of awesomeness. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and uh, um, you know, it's just, it's a very different animal. Um, and what's most important is that the network's expectations um, for the show are, you know, they, they put us on Friday, they didn't air us, and they still expected, you know, for us to be this huge hit out of the gate. They were still thinking opening weekend mentality. The guys uh, we're working with now are not like that at all. They understand what the mood Friday means, and, you know, Terminator has struggled in the ratings somewhat, but they've been supported up supportive of it, mostly because they really like it, and also because I harangue them constantly. <laughs> literally like, yeah, so you're having trouble with my script. How's Terminator? <laughs> I said, okay, don't, don't cancel it. Um, but, um, uh, that's actually true. But, um, 
it's uh, you know it's about people sort of coming to it slowly. It's about you know just letting it letting it brew because that's what we had to do and and uh, you know it 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 does it simmers for a while and then around episode six it just starts to boil, and if people you know if they come if they come along for the ride, it gets extraordinary and and we came away from production with this just the glow. Everybody in the cast, everybody on the crew, everybody on the staff was just so excited by what we were doing um, and answering a lot of the questions that people have been asking me that I can't answer because it's like spoilers and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, and raising new ones at the same time. So it's, uh, you know, th these people are very transparent and they're very um, honest and upfront about, you know, what they need. And so I feel like, I feel this is a good home for us now. This isn't you know, where, they, where they've, they've sent us off to the graveyard. I feel like they've made a nest where the expectations are not so high and where I, we can just grow. I feel it too, and I also feel like, I have to say, I've always wondered like why there wasn't, like, why there weren't good shows on on Friday nights. I mean, I go out on Saturday nights. Friday nights are, you know, you're like winding down, you want to go out Saturday. I mean, I think Friday nights are great nights. And If I you want to go out Friday, night. you're wrong. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're, you're not going to have fun. Okay. But nobody, nobody else is going to be there. In your house on a Friday night and gone, you're like flipping through the stations, and I don't know. I think I think Friday night's a great night, and I agree that it's much better with, with Terminator and and um, and allowing the show to grow because of course we want you all to show up this Friday night and come to the party and have it be a big night, but we want you to like stick around because the party just gets better and better and better. That's sort of the the message. Fantastic. My final question is. The million dollar question given what Joss has done in the past and the recent past, are you gonna sing on Dollhouse? I'm gonna sing at people. It's like a weapon. When I sing, <laughs> I sing at you. She's um, like Black Canary. It's like episode three, I think. Episode three. I uh, sing a little. A little bit, not enough, Beware. but some. Yeah. <laughs> Well, with that, I'm going to turn it over to the audience here for a couple of questions, and uh, and and I'll probably repeat the question because everybody won't be able to hear it. But you're in the second row. If your question is good enough, <laughs> I will sign everybody's. <laughs> However, should you fail, they will suffer. And the pressure is on. That. It's not a question, that's just a statement, like, why is the sky blue? <laughs> um, uh, I can't possibly answer that question, but I will still sign everything. It is triumph, and uh, uh, in the striped shirt over there on the side. Yeah. So they asked, uh, what is your favorite, your most awesome character you played as, as Echo? And what was most challenging? Oh, thank you, Joss. Um, the... The blind cultist was definitely one that I didn't see coming. <laughs> Is that weird? Um, but it was really fun and it was really kind of, and we were shooting out in this cult compound the night um, Obama got elected and we were like all, yeah, it was, a big, it was a big night. We were all in like Amish cult gear. Well, not that Amish are cult people, but we were <laughs> dressed. Oh boy! Stupid English. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was just I, you know, it was a Tim Maneer episode, and and I ended up, yeah, he's he's totally awesome too. Um, I just loved it, and again, you know, this is this whole experience has just been, you know, such a gift, and I'm so grateful to Joss because 
not a lot of people have given me the chance to, to play these different kinds of roles. And, and when I watch that episode, I all, the only time that I really get excited watching myself, because I have kind of have a hard time with it, is when I see myself and I go, oh, that doesn't really, I can't recognize myself. And, and I kind of got that in that episode. So that was thrilling and exciting. And the most challenging, um, I think seven or eight, I play a 50-something-year-old woman in my own body, and that was really strange. <laughs> and she had an updo. <laughs> and I had an updo the whole time. But I got to ride a horse, like a black stallion, through the night, and that was really fun. Um, Assassin was fun. Making out with Tomo characters, all of them are fun. Um, and exciting and challenging for you know different reasons. But... Um, I don't know. There are so many. I mean, how, I've done like thirty. How is it challenging? <laughs> well, just I, physically sometimes. He's a whole lot of man. <laughs> I don't know. It's it. You know, and everyone's watching. And I, 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 I had that problem with David Boreanaz one time too. I was like, take out his vampire teeth. They're puncturing my tongue. Everyone was like, why are you using your tongue? I was like, don't. I, I'm a method actress. <laughs> So. Um, not a huge amount of control, although uh, we did get to look at some of the print art and 86 it, <laughs> like massively. Some they weird had, stuff. Yeah, they had uh, her as a sort of Barbie mannequin that's like cut at the neck and arms for articulation, and it freaked us the f*** out. <laughs> Equally, like, like we called each other at the same time. And <laughs> Did you get the email? Number 11 is Holy, really twisted. She didn't say that, I said that. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, but in terms of the other stuff, you know, they, they came and sort of told us what they were doing, and I actually thought they did a really good job with this show. Um, because instead of going, we're not sure how to market it, they called it original. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's very savvy. And, uh, you know, it looks exciting and sexy and fun, all of which I hope it is. So um, I thought, yeah, it's, it's a step up from meet the most spaced out crew in space. Good times. Good times. Yeah, Jaws, about that. Nathan? Um, you, uh, again with the I want Nathan Fillion to be on the show thing. It's like a thing with you. Um, you know, she is a producer and she's only thinking about you guys. Um, um, you're so you're so giving that way. Um, yeah, actually, we did end up um, guest starring a couple of alum. Um, we have there's uh, Amy Acker's awesome. Well, um, so good. I watched episode seven and she just she had me. She's amazing. I love Amy. Yeah, she's. Uh, I'm not gonna start because we don't have that much time. On her, but um, we have uh, we got. Uh, I was really happy to get a hilarious turn from a young actor named Alan something. Uh, he was in Spam a lot. I can't remember. And one time I impaled him. Uh, but amazingly enough, um, and uh, and then uh, uh, towards the end there, you're also going to see uh, a known ingenue named Felicia Day. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she's going to be doing something different. Thanks, I work out. Thank you. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yeah, the question being, uh, how do I get, who comes back, and which actors do I like working with? Why do I like working with certain actors again and again? Um, and there's a very 
obvious reason for that. I am lazy, casting takes a long time. And I don't, you know, you have to sit, you have to pretend to pay attention to people while they're talking. But they're not talking about you, so it's really weird. Um, what did I just turn into? <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, the, the dumb hot girl. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's just, I'm so hot, I'm getting dumber. Um, uh, wow, I will answer this question. The fact is, um, anybody who's seen the performances of the people that I keep coming back to knows that one of the major reasons is they're extraordinarily talented and versatile. I always worry that I'm going to use the same people too much and that people are going to think it's too, too incestuous. You know, I, I, used, I ended up using Adam and Gina and Nathan after Firefly, most people think it was before because they didn't see it till DVD, but it was after we'd done Firefly. And I was like, I can't use them on Buffy and Angel. It will be too incestuous. It will take people out of the story. And people were like, nobody saw Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> they won't care. Um, I was like, oh, yeah. And then, um, you know, it took me a while to circle around to realize, wait a minute, I forgot to cast Amy Acker in the show, and they, you can't do that. You have to have Amy Acker in your show. So... Um, uh, there are two things, however. It is not just that they're really good at what they do. It's that they're really, really, and this especially applies to um, her, <laughs> wonderful, strong, smart, caring, decent people. I surround Aww. myself with the kind of people I want to live my life with because that's what this is. It's my life. It's 14-hour days. It's, you know, it, you're in the trenches together. You don't want to get in there with somebody you don't trust. He is awesome, right? <laughs> That's why he's the awesome one. I think we have time for two more questions. I'm still dealing with the fact that I've now been called son and dad <laughs> at this event. Uh, um, uh, the many stages of man, me. Um, uh, for the second uh, season of Dollhouse, what we plan to do is... Um, think up a lot of new ideas because a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff that we, we said, you know what, we're going to roll this out slowly over a period of several years. We have 13 episodes. Get it out now. Get it out now. Hit him in the head. Hit him in the head. We took everything that we loved and we put it in there. Not everything, obviously. There's more. But, um, but, uh, and, we, and I have an arc in my head that goes for five years. But for this season, we did decide, let's bring some of the stuff we were going to hold back up because uh, we really want to grab people's attention and, and hold it. Um, and you know, we, we didn't feel like we had the luxury of just rolling things out too slowly. So um, there's a lot of threads that we put out there, uh, particularly in the very last episode, that we'll have to make good on. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you about any of them. However, Eliza has told me that she'd like to play a burlesque dancer. <laughs> Life after bu more, more oh, Buffy Angel. Uh, and a Grandmaster chess player. And a, grand, a Grandmaster chess playing burlesque player. <laughs> they can do that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Did people catch that? Because um, it was. Okay, she, I wish, I just want to give you the mic and have you ask that again, because, we, can you, Good can, one. Can, hold on, hold on, Phil Donahue. <laughs> oh my God, I just touched Joss Whedon, that's like, what the hell? <laughs> no! End scene. He has baby okay. skin. Um, well, uh, 
My question was, um, as somebody who is um, so prominent on the forefronts um, campaigning against misogyn misogyny, um, thank you, by the way, I can't speak now. Um, and with the premise of Dollhouse being so dangerous, and with that element, is it hard to reconcile people pulling you in directions to try to want to make the show safe and have your look, it's a female and she's empowered and isn't that great and wonderful? Which it is, but is that hard to deal with with having to tell your story first and foremost and get there eventually, but having your first priority being to tell the best story possible? Thank you. Thank you. With the exception of the question about my awesomeness, that was probably the most important question that I'm going to answer uh, probably this entire week. Um, because the, it has been the struggle of, of this show. Since we came up with the idea and it felt so right and it felt so true, and then we started to sort of break it down and go, well, there's this real world parallel that is very unlovely, and um, uh, how am I gonna deal with that? The first thing that I did after the cold sweat was um, I actually went to the offices of Equality Now an organization that I've been involved with um, a good deal since its inception, and uh, um, a great organization, by the way. Um, and I pitched the show to them. And these are people who actually have been dealing with human trafficking in the real world. They're the worst room I will ever sit in to pitch this, but I did it because I wanted to hear you know, what they would take from it. And you know, a lot of them understood very clearly what I was trying to do. Some of them were like, yeah, I understand what you're trying to do. Do it wrong and I'll kill you. <laughs> I got, you know, and, and, and some people were like, you know, this just, this, this doesn't work for me at all. Um, it was daunting, it was terrifying. And I told other people, just friends, and, and what was interesting is some people would be offended by it, by it, but they might be offended by a completely different part of it. You know, why do you, why do you have this aspect? Why did she have to be this to get there? And, and, um, uh, you know, why does she have to have the personalities or why does she have to have them taken away? There was, everybody had an issue. And then of course the network comes along and they love it and they think it's interesting and sexy and fun. They're excited to see us together and then somebody in the higher up says, is this anything at all like prostitution? Because we don't, we don't want to talk about that. And so you get, you get two forces at work, uh, which is, you know, uh, a studio's desire to protect itself or a network's desire to protect itself um, which can very often cause you to make something that's much more offensive because you're kind of glossing over the thing. And um, this struggle has gone on in me and in the show from the start. And my responsibility to myself as a storyteller um, has been the battle that I have fought the hardest. Because in every show I have to say, oh, what are we trying to say? What are we getting away with? What, you know, what about this works, what about it doesn't, and um, is this unbelievably offensive? Have we countered it? Have we countered it enough? Um, the storyteller and the political human being um, have been at war, and you know, with, the, uh, with the, the, the network kind of in the middle, giving each of them you know, like bats with nails. Um, so it, it's, um, it's very tough, and I think you know, there are things in this show I'm not sure about that I'm on the fence about, but they're in episodes that I am sure about. Uh, they're in episodes where I really feel like we lay it out, we lay it bare, we really talk about the issue and give everybody a voice. 
um, including the people who hate the idea. And um, the fact that we're able to do that and the fact that we're able to play with these characters that much, by the time we really found the show, the way we wanted to find it as the series progressed, and, uh, and just watch out for episode six, that's all I'm saying. Um, and, uh, and once that happened, then there was a reconciliation between my two selves, between my need to tell a story that is dark and challenging and in its own way very real in this fantasy world um, and, uh, and my need to be responsible. They do come together and then we just get to just mess with everybody and, um, and everybody in the cast and hopefully the audience and so that reconciliation led to some of the best work we've done, some of the shows that I'm as excited about putting out there as any we've done and um, but it came from what has been creatively the most frightening and, and uh, arduous struggle of my career. Thank you. Yeah. Can't think of a better way to end the discussion. Uh, thank you. Thank Joss. Thank Eliza. Thanks for coming. Watch the show. I could just say, uh, because he's done this for me a few times, and, uh, and I still don't know why. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. You've been great. We'd also like to thank you. You've been a wonderful audience. Uh, Dollhouse premieres this Friday the 13th at 9 p.m. on Fox. It will, it will also be available for download on iTunes where you can find Joss's other fine programming such as Firefly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Dr. Horrible's Sailor Thank you, guys.